Hi, I'm Christopher McClinton, CMO for FinZact, and welcome to this edition of the Extensible Podcast. And I'm very pleased to welcome to this episode, Mike Barrero, who is the Chief Technology Officer for One Finance. Mike, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here. I'm Mike Barrero. I've been Chief Technology Officer with One now for the past uh, four and a half years since we started, and most of that journey has also been with Finzac. Yeah, I have to say, Extensible is a special place because Finzac is in, in an interesting place in the world. Very much, I'd say, sort of the nexus of the of the ecosystem for financial institutions and fintechs alike. Um, and that means that we get some interesting perspectives on this podcast coming from solution providers, coming from RSI partners, our cloud partners. But my personal favorites are when we get to talk to our clients about what they're doing, you know, how the experience is for them and for their customers. So I'm really glad to have you here today. And I, I'm really okay saying that you guys are one of my uh, favorites. I just think it's a phenomenal fintech success story. Maybe you're right. Maybe that has to do with we've been at this for a while together. But I think it's a special story. It's a special group of people who got together to launch one. And before we start getting into just some of, you know, more specifically what you're doing on FinZact and what that, that has enabled, tell us maybe a brief history of that, who, who came together to make it happen, um, what was the vision, and if you don't mind, how you saw FinZact aligning with that. Yeah. So back in, I guess it was, it was very early 2019, I think uh, February, Bill Harris was the original founder of what would later become One. And he and Brian Hamilton put together this thing and brought me along with a few other folks, Brett Baker, uh, Sarah Elliott, Dan Loomis, and we all kind of were the original group that built out what would later become One. And that was back in early 2019. And from the beginning, FinZact was on a very short list of the core as a service providers that we were looking at and evaluating. And I say it was on the short list because there were really only a handful out there that met a lot of the criteria that we had. You know, Bill Harris had a really big vision for what we were going to do, even from day one. And that ruled out a lot of the other options that were out there in the market. And so we obviously talked to you guys extensively and, and ended up going with FinZact. And, you know, it's been pretty good ever since. And, the, and, and for those who don't know, this is this is Bill Harris of Intuit of PayPal fame went on to serial capital and yes. yes he's um he's racking them up and and Brian Hamilton of Cap One and just yourself the re the rest of the really a group of all stars that you guys assembled so it's been a lot of fun for us I know that had Frank and Mike very excited from the beginning to have you guys down in Jacksonville and going through the whole sort of ideation process with us um, and that was you know really at our beginning as well just as we were. You know, yeah, I mean, we were both early. Yeah, everything was great except for the table. I gotta the say, table, the, the table, conference room table. Yeah. For, for the, obviously the viewers don't know this or the listeners, it's like an old aircraft propeller, and when you sit around it, you know, if you go to cross your legs or anything, you're gonna get a cut pretty much because it's right. just brutal. Everybody who's made the the pilgrimage to Jacks because they have <laughs> the patella scars. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, what what else do you expect? I guess from Frank Sanchez and no, it's an awesome piece. Like the table is fantastic. It just functionally has a small design flaw. Well, well yeah. you know, it's interesting because I think you guys were in an interesting position four or five years ago. I think 
other companies like you in terms of fintechs that may not be incumbent financial institutions. Incumbent financial institutions have a lot of advantages. They have an existing, you know, customer sure. base. They have some good ideas about how to, you know, deepen that and leverage that. So they're not at any disadvantage. But I would say one thing that is helpful to, you know, the likes of one, others like you, is that you get to come along with very much a clean slate. And there's not really, in most cases, a question of, you know, technical debt that you have to right. manage or pull along or decide, you know, what, how to offload. And that is, that is a thing that most incumbent financial institutions have to have to figure out what to do with. And so you get to kind of, as you said, because you guys came along at a certain time when there were four or five companies that were bringing to market next-gen core technology. And there was, you know, I think we have covered it in past extensible podcast episodes. There was a generational leap from what might be considered the last generation, of course, and what has come out in the last just couple of years, Act being one of those fundamental changes to the architecture, to the design, to where it, uh, to where it lives, to how you, ex you know, access it, all of that. And uh, one got, got to sort of, I guess, luckily you were started when, when those small group of providers were bringing their solutions to market. So I guess my question is, maybe you just defaulted, especially with the likes of Bill Harris and others, you know, immediately to, okay, we're going to roll a next-gen platform for this. Or maybe you looked at some others out there that were certainly battle-tested, um, working for, for some very large financial institutions. But how did you guys arrive and how quickly did you arrive at that conclusion that one is going to roll this on a next-gen platform? Maybe even before deciding it was FinZact, as you said, you evaluated a few, but how quickly did you get to that conclusion and what went into that decision? Sure. Yeah. To your point earlier, Bill used to say, our greatest advantage is that we have nothing. <laughs> and, and we used to get a, you know, a good chuckle out of it because it's like, yeah, we, we don't have anything yet, but it really is an advantage. And he wasn't joking when he said it because you aren't encumbered by all of the legacy systems and debt that you have when you're starting out. And so we did have Greenfield. And when we were looking and when we were strongly considering FinZact, the biggest considerations that I can recall were really around our future vision and what we needed to support. And because of that, we needed something that was, first of all, cloud native. We had to have a cloud native core. We're not running a giant glass house with servers. We need this to be on one of the major, you know, <laughs> cloud providers. We also needed something that could be spun up in many different geographies. Our original vision was really to have a, a solution that crossed many borders. And so we couldn't have something that was just going to operate inside of the United States. So that was a huge consideration for us. And then the other big piece for us was that we didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. And flexibility was one of the most important aspects, at least in my mind, because when you start from day one, and I think for any journey, um, you don't necessarily know what's ahead. You might have a project or you might have a vision for the company right now that you can see the next year, the next five years out, but you don't know what's beyond that. And quite frankly, most people don't can't see five years out either. So having something that is flexible and that can grow with you as your project or your company evolves uh, was a really big factor specifically on the engineering side, but I think just more generally for the business. 
You know, honestly, I think you're offering a tremendous insight for the for just entrepreneurs out there. And I can appreciate that Bill Harris was thinking about this early on. And what I hear you saying is that we're probably going to have to pivot. We think we know exactly what we're going to do, but we're probably going to have to be able to react quickly if it has to look or act slightly differently or very differently. Um, right. And that's the that's the journey of a startup, of, a, of an entrepreneur. And so I think that's a really important insight that the next-gen platforms allow for that adaptability in a way that, you know, the prior generations didn't. And I'm tempted to launch into the topic of extensibility here because that's a, a distinguishing feature of the FinZAC architecture, which we sometimes sum up as, hey, this is us acknowledging that we don't know what, what's coming next or what you're going to need. And as you know, that's the ability for you to create new objects and attributes within the FinZAC data model. Yes. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, maybe a conversation for another day, but I think that's really important and I appreciate you sharing that. One of the, as I sometimes say, just sort of the table stake sort of attributes of the new crop of core platforms out there is open. And this, this has a lot to do with just that there are modern APIs that allow you to interact with it. Um, and for anybody who hasn't had an experience with the one customer experience, I encourage you to do so because it is really slick. I remember I opened an account after scanning, you know, a, a QR code in four minutes and 20 seconds, including funding the account and having a, digit, a virtual card in my Apple wallet. And that's phenomenal. And then when you get in there and you understand what, you know, is possible in terms of like rendering a customer experience that contemplates, that anticipates your journey, like, okay, in four minutes, I have a checking account position. I have a saving account position. I have the ability to, you know, to create pockets for different goals I might have to round up, to transfer funds immediately. Things that seem obvious, but are not just, you know, jumping out at you in every mobile banking experience. Like I can see the actual card number on my card if I need to for a second along, you know, with the, perhaps the CVV. And then I can not see it again if it's important to have that covered up. I can turn on direct deposit. I can, you know, just temporarily pause my card. I can do all these things at just a very sort of intuitive along the journey, a place you might expect to see that option. So it's really impressive. Kind of getting to the point, you know, I realized right away that the folks at One, they're very talented, but they can't do everything. Just like FinZact can't do everything. We set out to do a very specific thing. But what you're doing is it's a collection of financial services that you guys have curated and you're it, it rendered very elegantly in there. But it probably involves five or six or maybe 10 different partners of one that are doing things anywhere from like funds transfer with Plaid or KYC with whomever, digital account opening, rewards with MasterCard perhaps. And that gets right back to the openness of those next-gen platforms like FinZac. So mm -hmm. maybe talk for a minute about like how that openness facilitated, you know, that whole curation process for you, if you don't mind. Yeah. I think, you know, you touched on a point there that was really important to us in the beginning as well, which is there are many providers out there, good providers, that provide a little bit more of a holistic bank in a box, um, as some of us say, and they kind of do everything for you, which sounds great in theory, but also limits you to what you can do, right? And so with FinZact, we had the ability to plug in all of these different partners and all of these different experiences to be able to make a customer experience that is 
whatever we want it to be instead of whatever one specific vendor would like for that experience to look like. And so us being able to facilitate a lot of the interactions between all of our different systems, Finzac being one of the largest, gives us a lot of flexibility in how we manage that user experience that you were describing earlier. And I think just as um, I think that's a place where it's going to it's going to have the same value. It's going to bring the same value to traditional financial institutions who Mm -hmm. want to have more optionality, you know, in their ecosystem, who want to be able to, you know, bring solutions in, see if it's working out, see if it's getting traction. If it's not, get it out of there, get another one in the ability to move quickly like that. And that is certainly something that an open API architecture, you know, facilitates in a way that those that came before just don't. But there are some table stakes sort of, you know, attributes of NextGen course, but Venzact has um, done those things and then gone quite a bit beyond that. A few of them that I have seen one take advantage of would be the multi-position architecture. So mm-hmm. uh, like simple use cases of that, I, I think I mentioned, I opened an account in a couple of minutes, had a checking account and a savings position, multiple pockets for, you know, my my kids' allowance and so forth. But it's also m- multi-asset. And as Frank used to say, it's like, we are a position-keeping platform. That position could be for, you know, it could be for CAD, it could be for yen, it could be for crypto, it could be for tractors. We don't care. You know, the point is to give give the institution, the client, the ability to, to use their imagination. So I wonder, you know, is one perhaps in a position, like how do you see that potentially um, enabling your product development in the future? Might you have customers who are not just, you know, USD, you know, say checking or saving positions, but trying to think a little bit more creatively about the assets that they're making available, whether it's, yeah, in support, sure. whether it's online, whether it's, I don't know. We definitely make heavy use already of multi-position accounts, which, you know, you touched on. And currently those are all USD, but increasingly, I think this world and our customers are wanting to hold alternative assets and the ability for FinZac to to flex to that and and not have us go down some other large scale integration with a disconnected system to have that, you know, to have that offering within the one platform is really great because the time to market is really important, especially, you know, now for us and our ability to stand something like that up in the future is not encumbered as it would be if we were going to another vendor and and stand that up from scratch. And I would imagine that really just as it's done for FinZact, you know, that has helped our hiring. We're able to, we're able to get really smart kids to come in because they're interested to understand, you know, hey, sure. something like this perhaps work with, you know, the Web 3.0, with, you know, with crypto, with things that, you know, layer on top of crypto, lightning, whatever it might be. When they're when they're kind of, as you said, I liked that term, sort of unencumbered. It's not just a, a U.S. dollar position anymore. It's something of value. And that something of value can be, you know, construed differently by different people. But we're going to be able to manage that position as well. So maybe that's allowed for even one to like attract the kind of talent that wants to not just be sort of down the middle financial services, traditional, here's your product. Yeah, for sure. And I think all of this, you know, a lot of the things that you've mentioned, the multiple positions, and it doesn't really matter what the underlying asset is. You can, you know, you have a ledger essentially for anything. It really goes to the overarching feeling that I have 
about FinZac's greatest offering, which is flexibility to really be able to do whatever it is you need it to do. And if you have that, if you have a tool that you can use in many different ways, sometimes ways you never thought you would need to from the beginning, that allows you to move much quicker and not have to you know, have stops and starts along the way because you made you know, some bad decision or not necessarily a bad decision, but you made a decision at the time that six months or a year or two years later, you realize this thing isn't what we wanted. We've never had that you know, type of issue with FinZact because it is so flexible. I was thinking, and there's not one perspective or a correct answer to this question, that when we were talking and I was describing how quickly and easily I was able to become a one customer and how quickly and easily I was able to not just have an account, but have it funded and see a very generous, you know, looking offering in terms of interest for, for my deposits. And then looking, you know, out at the climate today, the reality that banks are, deposits are very important right now. They're obviously doing things to try to attract them and not, you know, not just things like having a great customer experience, but paying a very handsome interest rate. So point being that it's, it seems like we have watched what might have been historically um, the switching cost, the high switching cost, maybe not, not not cost per se, but just, I don't know, people were lazy. They just didn't want to, you know, go, they didn't want to mess with it. So they just kept those, that has plunged and it can happen, you know, in seconds, as I said, like four minutes and 20 seconds, I'm banking elsewhere. And so I just wondered from maybe from your perspective, does that hit you <laughs> kind of hard as well? It's heavy. It's like that. That has broad implications, I would say, for the the you know the broader industry, certainly the incumbent financial institutions. But what what do you what do you think or feel about that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of obviously there are many fintechs out there that are competing for the same or similar eyeballs, and they're competing with a lot of the large incumbents as well. And so you have to you have to make it easy for your customers to give you a shot. Right. I think in the more traditional model, the switching cost is very high. I'm actually going to move my banking relationship from, you know, one of the big three to somewhere else, even if it's to one of the other big three. There's like time involved in that, a, a significant amount of time. And it's not something that you can easily just try out. And I think with, you know, certainly what we've done and what others try to do is make it easy to try because the reality is for many fintechs, you're going to be, even if you get a customer to try you out, they probably have another banking relationship. Many of them do. And they're trying you out as a secondary option, or maybe they want to switch to you, but they don't know yet. And so making that easy, making it quick, uh, even from early on, onboarding speed was one of our early goals. And we used to call it the magic minute. Can somebody onboard in a minute? Mm. And uh, you know, without the account funding as well, going through Plaid and setting that up, even though that's quick, just filling out the information that we require to open an account and making a decision, we can do that in under a minute. That was that was a, a big goal that quite honestly, I wasn't so sure was necessary when we first started. I was like, you know, if it takes two minutes or three minutes to set up your account, like what does that really matter? It's you know, if you're going to switch to a different bank account, what's three minutes? But I think in hindsight, I was wrong 
And it really does matter. You have to make it quick because the world has changed significantly. People want things quick. They don't want to spend three or five minutes setting something up, especially if they're trying something out. And so being able to do that quickly really does help with, with customer acquisition. And it gives you a shot at you know competing for that business. And then of course, once they're in the door, you have to have an offering that's you know worth them sticking around for. You got to delight them at that point. And you guys are doing, you yeah. guys are doing that. You're absolutely doing that to your credit. So one of the very important segments for, for FinZact in our go-to-market is this sort of large category encompasses quite a number of different looking opportunities, but it's often referred to as banking as a service or embedded finance. This obviously, in addition to the very large financial institutions that we serve in the community institution. But this segment is an interesting one. And, um, you know, it's really is a broad, it, it, you can think of it as a broad spectrum of opportunities that show up there, but maybe what they all have in common and what sort of puts them in category is this is where financial services are are being embedded and rendered in what might not be a typical consumer, you know, bank interaction or relationship. So it's often, you know, a corporate or an enterprise brand that has an existing relationship with a customer, perhaps has their loyalty, has their repeat spend. Um, and they are looking at ways to deepen that and to have that relationship be more about just, you know, spend and that customer showing up either at their online store or in store. And one has some, some terrific examples of, of your partners and your customers that are, are doing precisely this. And so do you see this as the logical next move for any enterprise brand who has those things in terms of customer load, repeat, spend behavior? Are they going to and should they be looking to do what your customers are doing and, and deepen that relationship by bringing in additional financial services? And, and what do you think are the implications if that is going to be something that most of them are doing? Yeah, I think it's, it is of, of great benefit to those types of institutions and also to the financial service providers that can provide the services that those customers are looking for. Obviously, we have a very large public relationship with the largest retailer in the United States, and that's really to provide financial services for their customers, which otherwise might be you know, underbanked, or even if they have a banking relationship currently, it might not be fulfilling their needs and meeting the customer you know, where they are. And so I think by partnering with a retailer like that, you get the ability to meet the customer where they are and provide services to them that are applicable in that domain, right? Mm -hmm. Like while they are shopping, money is a huge component of shopping and of spending and the ability to make, to integrate things, to be more seamless, to be able to provide offers that are directly applicable to that consumer in that moment mm -hmm. uh, is, is of great benefit to the customer. And it's also a great benefit for the retailer and for the financial service providers. And I think something that, that needs to happen more broadly, just because it's, it's better for consumers in general to be able to have that those better experiences when they need it. Yeah, there's such an, a heightened level, it seems, of awareness of just the customer's journey. Like you said, they're in the aisle. They're, you have an idea of what's in the basket, of what's, you know, what's necessary, what's aspirational, what does the person's cash flow situation look like, and how might you be able to help them with 
I don't know, short-term financing or, or long-term financing. But there is, there's definitely a heightened level of awareness and connect, connectivity, as you said, between that sort of that banking function and that, you know, here's me living my life, paying my bills, buying my groceries, shopping at the retail store. And I think, as I said, it's apparent to me, I think for any of those listeners who are already banking with one, you know how, how rich that customer experience is. But with kind of partners and clients you guys have, it's not enough to just show up with a cool, you know, CX. You are really putting some requirements on, you know, on us as well, just for, for scale, for performance benchmarks. And that's, that's been, you know, an interesting journey, I think, for us for the last couple of years. And I'm feeling good about the progress that we're making. Yes, you've always been up to the task. And, you know, we've grown together from very small numbers of customers to much larger numbers of customers. And we will continue to do so. But yeah, it's been a great partnership. My last question, I, I guess I would ask just for the benefit of everybody who's come in behind you, because you guys have, you have been at this for a while with us. Fair to say you've taken you know, a number of arrows for everybody who's coming behind because we had to run through some walls together. Uh, but what, what advice would you have for those who are maybe getting started with, with FinZact now, have a vision like yours, it's the entrepreneurial vision of a, you know, of a FinTech entrepreneur. Maybe it's a, a very large incumbent US bank who wants to roll a digital brand and they're looking at FinZact. Like throw them a bone. I, I don't know. And be gentle. Yeah, I mean, I think we already have. We knocked down all the barriers. So <laughs> it's smooth sailing. You just have to do it. Um, my COO currently, David Starr, has a, a great saying about, you know, taking on a project, which is, you know, pick a date that you want it done by and start. That's how you get something accomplished. And I think with something like this, my advice to others would be, you know, Pick a date. It doesn't have to be right, but pick a date that you want to get something done that you need the services of FinZact for and just start. Because I can say that it's flexible enough that it will meet the needs of whatever it is you're trying to offer. And if you don't overthink, just, just go, know, knowing that it will be able to flex with your needs as they come up. Don't spend three months or six months or a year coming up with all the requirements and then evaluating whether or not FinZact is the right answer. Just know that it either already has the capabilities or FinZact will most likely implement it if it's not yet there. And that's certainly what we found through our journey. I'd just say go for it. Right on. Don't wait. Hey, it was a lot of fun talking to you. I really appreciate you being on the podcast and I'm sure we'll be seeing each other soon. Definitely. Thank you for having me. 